When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. I'm your host, Timothy. I'm here with my co-host, Allison. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I got the the official title. Of co-host? Yeah. I think you've had that title for some time. <laughs> if you have a story you want to share with us, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. Right now, we're pretty booked up for interviews. I think most of March is booked at this point. You're at 2027, right? <laughs> no, thankfully not. <laughs> But as I always say, if you have a Bigfoot story, especially a Bigfoot story with high strangeness, I definitely want to get that and I will make extra time to do your interview. Just a reminder to everyone that Where the Footprints End, High Strangeness and the Bigfoot Phenomenon, Volume 2, is now out. It's available on Amazon. You can pre-order copies from us if you want them signed by me. As I said before, Josh lives in Georgia. I live in Pennsylvania. So unfortunately, copies signed by both of us are a little hard to come by at this time. You can pre-order it from us at our Etsy shop, shop named Lost Grave. I'm hoping to have copies within the next week or two. Whenever they arrive, I'll start sending them out. If you were waiting for the ebook, the Kindle edition is now available on Amazon for people who prefer the ebooks. You don't get all of my beautiful <laughs> chapter mastheads and, and spot illustrations that I do with that, but you do get all the information. You get convenience and minimalism. And speaking of ebooks, mm-hmm. my last book, previous to Where the Footprints End, Don't Look Behind You, never had an ebook because I don't know how to make them myself. <laughs> However, with the help of Mike Cleland, and the owls. <laughs> I'm sure the owls <laughs> helped. Uh, Mike helped me get an ebook for Don't Look Behind You. So finally, there's a Kindle edition of Don't Look Behind You for people who've been waiting for that. Like I said, the Kindle edition of Where the Footprints End, Volume 2, is available as well on Amazon. Hard copies are available from us at our Etsy shop. Like I said, shop name Lost Grave. If books are sold out there, any of my books, it's just a matter of uh, me doing a quick reorder. So come back and look, you know, in a day or so, and there should be more in the Etsy shop. I'm afraid to put a limitless stock there in case 
things get out of hand. But if you know, usually things the stock will dwindle, and I'll you know I won't see that it's sold out for a day or two. But where the footprints end, volume two was sold out for about a day. I didn't notice, and then I, I went back and and added more copies. Tonight we will be talking with Jenna, who has some really interesting stories, a lot of synchronicities, this strange figure in a colorful cloak she saw in the middle of a blizzard uh, up in the mountains, I think, of Colorado, way, uh, way away from anywhere, who may or may not have shapeshifted into a tree. She's also got stories of mystery lights and more. So without further ado, let's hear from Jenna. Okay, tonight we're talking with Jenna, who's got several stories to share with us, beginning with your childhood, I believe, right? Um, yeah, I um, kind of have always kind of just experienced things. I don't really know. Sometimes I, I never really knew that it was like unusual, or sometimes I kind of feel like I, I knew it was unusual, but I just like... You know, a lot of my childhood, I've been pretty solitary. Mm-hmm. I, I never really had many friends, and I grew up kind of rural, and I don't know. So there's not really many people to talk to about it, except for, like, my immediate family. And they're a bunch of oddballs, too, so. <laughs> did you know these things were weird, or did you just think everybody experienced this kind of stuff? I knew it was weird because it kind of seemed to focus on me more so. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was kind of more like mutually confused or aggressive towards it. Like I didn't accept it. Like, I don't know. It just seemed to kind of focus on me. And I think that's maybe because I did the same. (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense. You mean you focused on it? uh, Like you paid attention to it? So it paid it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But then, like, everybody in my in my family when I was growing up, like, everybody's got some stories or experiences that come out. Like, it doesn't take a lot of talking about it before they're like, oh, yeah, I had that happen, or I had this happen. or So it, it comes up easily in conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the polarity between my mother's fa- family and my dad's family is like, kind of they're very opposite i'm surprised that we were even born honestly i don't know exactly (laughs) how that worked out but very like the duality there but they both sides have like their own form of experiences yeah so i you know it's hard for me to really know where to start i guess i would say that i you know could start with the fact that like my childhood home which is in Colorado. It's uh, Loveland, Colorado. That's when I first really kind of started like experiencing strange things, I guess, from a very young age. And like, there's memories, you know, like of, from my mom, you know, this is from my parents that I don't quite remember, but I used to be really freaked out of like, like if we were driving and we ended up being somewhere at night let's say like we went to the grocery store and then it got dark out and if we were driving home i would have to be like hidden underneath a blanket or something because i would be freaking out about the trees like driving up our driveway 
Um, supposedly, I would talk about all these things in the trees or these little creatures or something in the trees that were like kind of just always staring at me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I used to draw little pictures of it. Like I have uh, my mom showed me an illustration. I, I kind of want to get it from her. But when I was really young, she asked me to draw all the things that I saw. And I don't even remember doing this, but she showed me this picture like maybe two years ago. And I was like, that's, that's weird. <laughs> that's kind of creepy that I'm like a five-year-old or maybe like seven, eight-year-old drawing these things. Wow. Um, yeah, it also kind of extended to like my brother and my sister. You know, it's weird to me because I'm the youngest of three children. So when I, you know, I was always kind of in a way kind of protected by my sister but my brother also, he at this point, I think he turned something off at some point. Um, now he, he doesn't dream at all hmm. compared to me. I, I dream very vividly. I actually, that's one thing I kind of want to talk about is like kind of the dream worlds that I experience. But my my brother, when he was younger at this same house, like he would always be freaking out at night like he could barely sleep at night he would have night terrors and he would see literally uh like a barn owl or some kind of an owl outside of his window like every night oh wow um, yeah so and later on like nowadays i kind of have heard about that being a thing right yeah like I, i've kind of like they have it in some movies or this or that. And, you know, when I see that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that freaks me out. Because, like, my brother would see this owl every night outside his window and just, like, be screaming and crying and then have, like, really weird night terrors. Wow. Um, yeah, his his night terrors. This is maybe an eight-year-old boy literally having dreams about, like, apocalyptic scenarios, talking about information that he probably shouldn't, ha like, that he hasn't been exposed to. So kind of a weird thing, yeah. And then uh, he just kind of went catatonic at some point and just stopped dreaming. So I'm not sure what that's about. <laughs> mm -hmm. But there's there's something there that I think, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, was it a, a willful thing? Like he decided to that he was just no longer going to dream? Or did it just sort of happen? So honestly, my parents were concerned about him because he wasn't sleeping very well. Um, and they ended up taking him to some kind of a hypnosis dream therapy place. Um, I don't really remember what that was about, honestly. I, I'm two, three years younger than my brother, mm -hmm. two and a half years younger than my brother. Um, so not saying I'm way younger but i i remember dropping him off and like picking him up and i think it was called like lighthouse or something but they actually did some kind of like hypnosis on him oh wow. and uh after that point he uh stopped having dreams so and that's good bad any kind of dreams nothing he goes to sleep at night and he nothing happens huh ah, that's so, very interesting though it's very weird, and I, I think maybe for him it was partially intentional because he was really afraid of it. Yeah, um, I mean, if it's affecting you negatively, you know, I guess uh, dreamless sleep is better than, than disturbed sleep. Yeah, 
I don't think I could turn my dreams off even if I wanted to, and I don't think I would because I, I kind of rely on them, honestly. Sometimes they can be really scary, but if I didn't dream, I, I would be I would feel kind of incomplete. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is one of those things. If you don't remember the things that you were seeing in the trees, uh, can you describe at least the, the drawings that you saw, or do you remember, like you know, from being a small child, what, what they look like. So what I do remember, I can talk about what I do remember and I can also explain those drawings, but what I do remember is that from a very young age, you know, when you start becoming like identified, like you start realizing that you are a person. Sure. Yeah. Um, I can remember just lots of things in my house. Like, I can remember characters that, like, my sister or my brother don't remember. You know, I had imaginary friends when I was little that were so real, obviously so real to me, but I do remember physically seeing these things. You know, I'll just say, like, my actual, like, imaginary friend. So I had named her Grenda, and I don't know where I got that name, but she was, like, an elemental she would actually shapeshift <laughs> when people were around. Wow. Um, and like basically be like invisible or something. And I would have to explain to people like, oh, you can't see her right now because she doesn't just because like for some reason, like she doesn't want you to see her. Right. But when I was alone, she would shapeshift and she was almost like almost like a dragon, I guess, is from my, like a small dragon creature. And, uh, you know, I just, like, went through this whole phase where I would just be drawing dragons everywhere in different ways. I'm not really sure what that was about, and I do have a very strong imagination, but mm -hmm. uh, that's, like, one of the first characters. But, you know, I went through a lot of kind of, you know, it definitely, like, when I was raised, uh, I would say I was more, like, left to my own devices than really most children I know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we grew up on like a pretty rural area like Colorado and uh you know my dad's property is like 18 acres mountain and there's a ditch right below the house and there's just like a lot of energy there between inside the house and outside the house there were almost human-like spirits that I would encounter sometimes that would scare me. There was also a Native American man that I saw a couple of times on the actual mountain. I never saw him in the house. I just kind of would see glimpses of him, like, on the mountain. And I wasn't really very educated as far as, like, Native American tribes or what they look like. This mm -hmm. was just... You know, later on, I kind of saw, like, a Native person and was like, that's totally that dude. And my dad also saw this character, but he got a very, very negative feeling from this character. But I got a very positive feeling. Like, I did not feel threatened. I felt it would it was almost to me as if you saw, like, a, a really beautiful, like, wild animal mm -hmm. in a way. We're just like, oh, my gosh, like that's whoa and then it just passes you know and um, did you have the sense of this not being a 
you know, a quote unquote, you know, normal or, you know, person that, that it was something other. Oh, definitely other. So like when I experience things, there's a couple different ways in which I experience them. So I've talked to people about this. So like I have like, like a mind's eye, like movies all the time. Mm -hmm. So if I close my eyes, I'd, am always seeing images, always seeing little movies. Sometimes they're like out of place. Sometimes they're relevant, but just it's, you know, it's always going on. I'm just very used to it. And I think I just kind of am a visual person, but like, that's one way that I would experience the, these characters and that character. So like, if I'm looking at like out the back door, up the mountain, I close my eyes, I see the same image that I would see as if my eyes were open, but there's like something in there that's not like in the waking world or something. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's another overlap, I guess, with like these other images in there. And it's like spot on. And sometimes it's almost like I'm not even closing my eyes. It almost feels like I have my eyes open. So that's like one thing is these constant kind of like mind's eye images and and mo like real storylines like <laughs> i kind of went into a little exercise where i would just uh try to write it down and it would be like just something casual like an old man like grabbing a rake and like going out to his barn and like just raking stuff up and i'm like i don't know where that came from like why would that happen just kind of almost like memories or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. I guess I'll just kind of evolve a little bit. So, um, you know, childhood home was weird. There was definitely haunting things that happened. I started noticing a trend of stuff when I was like in more of my teenage years. I would say that's kind of more when things really like became very clear to me. Um, and where my memory is really clear. Mm -hmm. Before that, I have, you know, I have some childhood trauma too. So there's some there's some other stuff going on that kind of like overlaps. So when I was like in my like young teenage years, I started developing kind of a weird type of seizure disorder. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's honestly like. It was it's still undiagnosed and I, I went through I went through medical treatment. My mom brought me to like a place to actually get medical treatment and they did a lot of diagnostic work, but they never came up with anything conclusive. And honestly, these seizure episodes that I had are not classic seizures necessarily. One doctor even said, like, oh, this is an anxiety thing. Like, you're having anxiety attacks, which, yes, there is definitely anxiety that goes along with it. But there's other things that go along with it, like auditory or visual, maybe hallucinations, kind of precognition stuff, mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, it's like, it's like sometimes it starts out with just this incredible overwhelming sense of like empathy where you're just like hit with just almost like alien emotions and i mean alien as far as like not your emotions like from someone else or from somewhere else so it's not like you can really identify why you're feeling that way 
so these these episodes really started happening before some kind of weird maybe paranormal event would happen to me and because of my my upbringing is honestly kind of like it's very christian view so there was kind of like a demonizing i don't know how to like a negative view of what i was experiencing sure yeah so if i talked to like my dad about it it would be pretty like he would say things that would really freak me out you know they weren't comforting it wasn't like oh you know like this is let's talk about this it would be like oh you need to go like pray and repent or something like right, you gotta right. you gotta take care of your soul right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know i didn't really talk to people about it but like an example i guess is like one time i was up in my room which is upstairs and I have this thing where I'll wake up at like a very precise time at night and this will happen for like a week straight or something mm -hmm. so I'll wake up at exactly 3.33 in the morning right? like yeah. every night mm -hmm. um, so I wake up 3.33 in the morning I get up out of bed I walk into the hallway I look down the hallway and I just see this, just this black shape down there at the end of the hallway, you know, just this figure. The next thing I know, I'm in my room, I wake up on the floor, and like everything in my room is completely like thrown about. Oh, wow. Like pictures are down, blankets off the bed. It, it's like I threw a big old tantrum in there and like just kind of threw everything around. Mm -hmm. And, uh, no one heard anything. <laughs> I'm not like, laughing at I you. I'm laughing because I, you. I, I've heard that, you know, <laughs> so many times. Right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. It's, it's kind of like just this thing, you know, so nobody comes and checks on me. Like I just wake up in this, like, I remember seeing something that scared me. And the next thing I know, it's just like, I'm in this chaos. Right. Almost. And I have no recollection of what happens. And part of me, I'm thinking, is this one of my seizure episodes? Or is this like, what was that? Mm -hmm. You know, so I kind of just put it on the back burner or something. But I, I have like a little bit of a phase where what I was experiencing kind of went down this really dark road. And it was to the point, you know, in my teenage years that like, it, you know, I felt like I was very disturbed. <laughs> like I would try to like communicate to other kids and stuff and they would like almost sense that in me. Like it wasn't for my sister kind of taking me under her wing. And um, so she lived primarily with my mom. My mm -hmm. parents were separated when I was younger and I you know, I kind of floated in between my dad and my mom, but I wasn't really, like, captured by any of their orbits necessarily. I was kind of passed back and forth. But, like, my brother lived primarily with my dad. So there was this always kind of this dynamic where I didn't really belong anywhere. So my sister really kind of saved me in a lot of ways, and I started to kind of get more of a connection or friend group or whatever so that was really helpful because it led me outside of my dad's house and then i realized that a lot of these things 
that I experienced weren't really all that dark. And it was really the just my dad's house that was kind of dark. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah. So I kept experiencing things when I left there primarily, but they were different. They were just totally different. And some of them I would say is just like, honestly magical which makes me happy because i i swing that side i i like magical world view mm-hmm. stuff i'm totally about it sure you know so part of me realized that it's it's almost a sense of like you see what you're wanting to see or something like you know like i was told that it was dark and so therefore i saw that so when i left that environment it kind of turned into like more of that elemental stuff, more of the just kind of like maybe it's not exactly defined necessarily. One thing that had happened is me and a couple of friends were camping and we were really high up altitude wise and we had hiked probably about six miles um, up from my friend's house. So their house butts like basically national park. Mm-hmm. So we had just like hiked up and you can kind of go endless. Like that, <laughs> there's no boundaries up right, there. Right. So we're way up there and, uh, we are like hanging out and having a great time. Uh, three of my friends are way more athletic and very like rambunctious. So they go running off into the mountains and then me and my other friend Malcolm are left and we're just having a good time hanging out together. And we end up going on a hike and out of nowhere, just whiteout blizzard, total whiteout blizzard. It was a little windy and stuff, but then all of a sudden the snow hit and then the next thing you know, it's like 15 minutes later and you can't see anything. Wow. So we're just kind of like, not exactly freaking out, like trying to pretend that we're not concerned, <laughs> but we didn't quite remember how to get back to camp. And uh, we definitely had wandered pretty far away, but we couldn't see. So, <laughs> you know, we're just like, uh, okay. So we're just we're just trying to like figure out how to get back, but now it's starting to get kind of dark. Like it's definitely evening. If you hear something, it is my dog right now being really ridiculous. That's I'm trying fine. To get we, me we're, we're a dog positive show. It's fine. Okay. I'm like, okay, Aurora, this is really great time for you to come up with your really loud ball and freak out. <laughs> this so. is a, you can often hear our rabbit in the background uh, our episodes. So. I'm like, I have animals. I That's one thing I do have. Lots of, well, I got two puppies and a kitty. But anyways, they are my world. So we're lost at this point, or at least we're concerned that we're lost at this point. And uh, me and my friend Malcolm are hiking, and we both saw this at the same time. We were looking downward, uh, kind of, it's not quite a cliff, but it's steep. It, like one step under cliff and we both see this man down below us with this incredibly elaborate like I would say like a shawl or some kind of like a cloak it was just ornately designed like colorful wow. uh, like a tapestry and he's staring at us and we both saw this at the same time, and we're like, oh, my gosh. 
and we start walking to him and it, we saw him and recognized him both at the same time. But as we started walking down to him, it, it was actually like a, a tree, like a, a fallen log, like half dead tree down there. So hmm. this like man with his face in the shawl and everything, he just like shifted into this stump sticking out of the ground. And we both looked at each other like, okay, uh, that was interesting. Cool, you know, right on. But we're still kind of trying to find out where we are needing to go. So we had this kind of ridiculous call that we made to each other to like find each other in the woods. We'd go camping all the time, our friend group, and we'd be out there. And so we would like make, you know, like a howl sound or like a, a caca or, you know, a sound. <laughs> To find each other. Sure, and, yeah. um, you know, so at that moment when we got down to the stump, we heard three howls from a direction that sounded like people. They sounded like our friends. So we we're like, oh, good. Our friends are at camp. Let's go that way. Let's go find them. Uh, that That's relieving. So we just kind of head that direction. And given I'm also barefoot because I'm basically always barefoot, but now it's like, Probably five inches of snow. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. You're barefoot in the snow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm always barefoot. This is the thing about me. I, I kind of am always barefoot. But at this moment, I was kind of regretting being barefoot. I was just trying to, like, push on through and be tough or something. But anyway, so we're hiking back, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm actually getting cold. The sun's starting to go down. Like, we got to get a campfire going. And we get to camp. And we were totally expecting our friends to be there, and they weren't. Camp was completely silent. Nobody was around. That was exactly where we heard these howling from. Uh, we looked around, and we're like, okay. So I start getting all the firewood together and starting a fire. And then I start howling because I'm like, okay, guys, You've got to get back to camp now. It's actually dark now. Right. And then you just hear this, like, our friends just, like, are, like, kind of, like, hysterically laughing slash, like, oh, my gosh, holy shit. If you guys didn't, like, make us sound like we were lost. We had no flipping clue. So they heard me howl and lead them back to camp. Which is so weird because something led us back to camp. Yeah, it was and, and it, it wasn't, wasn't them. It wasn't them. <laughs> it wasn't them. They came from a completely different direction, and they were actually in way worse condition than we were. We we were only like maybe a mile away from camp, and they were they just like went off somewhere, and then you know were completely confused. Also, when this random like whiteout blizzard hit, so. You know, they just kind of were like, oh, thanks for saving the day. I'm glad you guys were here the whole time. Wow. And we're like, uh, actually, we were not here the whole time. Like, we literally just got back, and we thought that you had let us back. So, you know. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The cloaked man you saw, was there a point yeah. that he left your vision and, you know, that, or did you, were your eyes on him the whole time and just when you got to it, it was just this tree stump or, or the log or whatever it was? Okay, so the distance of this figure was like, he was far enough away but close enough that you could be like that is a man with a very colorful tapestry cloak on mm-hmm. down there looking at us like you could you could tell that but then at the same time it was far enough away that you're like what am i seeing exactly mm-hmm. so it's kind of like that weird border of vision where you know like you could be like making it up in your head or just kind of seeing what you want to see. And if it wasn't validated by my friend Malcolm with me, um, I would have been like, oh, well, that just kind of looked like a man. And I was making those patterns up in my head, you right, know? Right. But because we both looked at each other, like, what is this man doing down there? We like had this moment where we recognized that we both saw this, but we didn't talk about it. We just decided simultaneously to walk that way. Mm-hmm. And as we walk that way, what I perceived is that gradually as we walk that way, just completely shifted. Like there was this moment where it was just, oh, no, that's a tree log. Like it was like a tree that was probably like eight feet tall and then had broken off just like kind of like up on the trunk. Mm-hmm. And this area is like tree line. So tree line is kind of interesting because you'll just get this gradual, but then all of a sudden abrupt end to all the trees. Yeah. Yeah. As it goes up in in altitude. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like really tall, really gorgeous trees. And then like 60 feet away, they're all crazy and twisted. And like, there's some really crazy looking ones. And then all of a sudden there's no more trees. Mm -hmm. So we were right at that line. Now, um, do you do you feel like but, this this figure could have been leading you, or you know, trying to draw you back closer to your camp as well? And then then when you got there, you know, the house did the rest of the work. Yeah, I definitely think that the whole thing was relevant because this is this is like super like wintry conditions, and it was very windy. Mm-hmm. And so when we got to this tree, which was right at the reach of our vision. When we got to this tree, if we would have continued the other direction, I mean, it's very possible that that kind of downgrade actually turned into a cliff the direction we were going. Like, it's, you know, I feel like it kind of led us down the less steep of the area and then over to the right direction that we were trying to go. So I'm not sure because I didn't see what was ahead of us, the direction that we were already going, like... I didn't go that way, but it kind of led us down a channel in in the rock to this tree. 
and then we followed like below it up back to our camp but towards these howls Mm -hmm. so who knows exactly right um, right. but i i do think it was i think it was intentional and then for the howls themselves like i know what coyotes sound like i know what wolves sound like but these i could identify as my as voices human voices trying to howl right yeah (laughs) you know and when we got to camp i was honestly so confused when we were walking up and not seeing them because in my mind i was like okay they're there (laughs) but then when they met up with us it was the same way they're like you know they were like totally lost and then when we howled we actually led them back so it was just kind of an interesting experience for sure and it was something that like someone was there to validate it with me right yeah yeah, exactly kind of before that you know i kind of experienced things very like on my own and uh you know i just kind of internalize it i don't really talk about it or at least i didn't used to yeah i i I mean there's something very nice about having someone else there when you can say do you see that weird light there okay it's not just me you know it's Uh, it's not just comforting in that someone else is there but it's it's validating like you said yeah because you know i just have like especially at one point I had kind of just been told that it's my imagination. So I'm just like, Oh, that's my imagination once again. And I just kind of like compartmentalize it, put it somewhere. Let's say you have the puppy. Okay. And the puppy is, mouthing and biting or it's not really grasping the potty training or maybe it has fear and nervousness or it's definitely my dog then it's barking too much maybe it's chewing on furniture or shoes or other things it shouldn't be chewing on maybe you need help with crate training maybe your puppy has hyperactivity issues maybe you need help with leash training your puppy all of those things and more can be helped how many days would it take to accomplish that approximately 90 and 90 days to the perfect puppy is the place that can help you with that. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 days to the perfect puppy link at the top of the page. Their relationship-based approach to training helps you and your puppy become perfect for each other. It's not really about making a perfect puppy. It's about helping you and your puppy becoming perfect together. Like any other relationship. You're not trying to change someone into what you want them to be. Exactly. You're you're making... You're You're trying to work on... The give and take of a relationship. Exactly. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy has online sources like video lessons, a secret Facebook group, and of course, they have one-on-one options available as well. Let 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy help you understand how your dog thinks, which is not how you think. I feel like it would be the same, though. You and your puppy would yeah, think exactly like... exactly the same. We'd, have, we'd like the same TV shows. We'd like the same bands. Extended chess games. I don't know how extended they'd be because we'd be equally matched. <laughs> right, but that's what I mean. Oh, it could go on forever because yeah. we'd play exactly the same. Exactly. You can find 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. So... I, you know, I make no secret that I'm I'm generally a, a believer, and I talk to people with crazy stories all the time. But I'm gonna just like 
put on the skeptic hat here, which I always say doesn't fit me very well. And uh, so someone who's listening and has heard you say, like, so I had these seizures and I would occasionally get, you know, hallucinations with them. Maybe they're thinking, how do you know all of this, everything that, that you're talking about isn't, you know, a form of hallucination then? What, do, what would you say to that? Uh, I would say that whether or not it's a hallucination, it's real to me in some way. Mm-hmm. And it affects me in the way that I see the world. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of irrelevant whether other people think I'm like hallucinating or not. But also it's like been validated by other people in other ways. Right. Um, so I'm I'm not exactly sure. And yeah, I do have an active imagination. I mean, I'm also like, I spend most of my time really doing art. You know, I I love art. That's my thing. I love imagining. But these episodes or these things that I experience aren't that. They're not just me imagining like how to like draw a flower and remembering what one looks like and recreating it. It's like I see something or hear something that it's almost like invading me in a way. Like sometimes it almost feels like it's invading. Like, I mean, I'm really trying to keep my uh, communication on like a linear timeline, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of, it's kind of hard to, in a way. It is. Um, uh, Well, especially when talking about this stuff, I've, I've written about this in books, how, how difficult it is to relate this stuff in a linear fashion, because one thing will happen and then something will happen two months later that kind of relates to the other thing. But then three other things have happened in the meantime. It's, it's very, very difficult to tell these stories in in a linear way. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, like I'm also a little bit nervous talking about it. So I'm trying to get over that, but, um, (laughs) well, it's fine. Like I said, I I literally talk to people about this, you know, several times a week. So I've heard a lot of these stories and, and experienced a lot of this, you know, kind of stuff myself. So it's it's definitely a safe space in strange familiars for weird stuff. Well, I, I really do appreciate that platform. I, you know, it does, it's cool. It it honestly feels good. It's kind of therapeutic, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't know. Also, listening to your show, there's been a lot of things that have triggered, you know, where I'm like, yeah, whoa, oh my gosh. So there's this, uh, well, you know, I'll kind of jump away from the, the really cool man that saved us from the snowstorm. Okay, yeah, we can jump around. It's, it's you know, no Yeah, problem. I kind of feel like jumping around a little because it is kind of naturally doing that where I'm like, and then there was this other thing. So I'm going to kind of like maybe trigger some things for you because it triggered things for me listening to your show so my family my dad's side of the family has this one room very old stone wood cabin that is grandfathered into the national park roosevelt national park it's been there for a long time (laughs) you know and it's in the national park so there's really not there's some other cabins around but it's a very interesting forest and a very interesting place and uh i spent a lot of my childhood there and at one point basically lived there so my dad when he was a child he saw a uh bigfoot in the um window oh really in the cabin yeah oh wow 
Um, I told him he should uh, tell the story, but he he's like he's a little shy. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever, I'll kind of I won't totally relay the whole story, but I'll kind of relay a bit of it. But sure. yeah. He, yeah, you know, he was like I think ten years old. Got up at night to go, you know, go to the bathroom, and there's a window. It's uh, from the outside, this thing would have had to be nine feet tall. Mm. So on the inside of the cabin, this window sits pretty high up on the wall. And supposedly he was walking and he looked over because he felt something and he sees this thing looking in at him, just staring at him. So that really affected him. You know, it's, it's definitely in his psyche. There was something more than just seeing an animal that's what he said it was like the intention and just the just how intense it was wow. was like uh it still affects him honestly and he's he's definitely a grown man mm-hmm. so which is which is interesting because at that same cabin when we were little kids we would play games out in the forest and uh me and my siblings we would take branches and we would knock on the trees patterns and uh we would hear patterns get knocked back and it wasn't always instant it would be like sometimes even like you forgot that you had even done it and then all of a sudden there it is so we we were always kind of like doing stuff like that and not really knowing what that was (laughs) yeah uh you know and like i really go back there it's it's actually kind of one of my sanctuaries you know there's just something really nice about it because it's just out there no running water no electricity you go up there to watch like meteor showers and stuff the sky's always just there's no light pollution um, oh, that's awesome yeah it's awesome but then there's there's like like around the cabin like me personally even feeling like it's my sanctuary I do not go out there at night. <laughs> I really try not to go outside of the cabin at night. I feel such a sense of something watching me. Oh wow. Uh just it's it's really kind of strong. So, you know, if I have to go out and go to the bathroom, I I do that and I go back in. I don't like hang out really mm-hmm. unless someone else is there with me, but and like I lived there for like, you know, by myself probably a month at a time so you know that's (laughs) that's a good amount of time to like get used to a new environment sure but i always feel it so you know that's that's one thing and there are definitely wild animals all the time and supposedly there's no grizzly bears in colorado but one of the neighbors saw a grizzly bear so if there's something going to be living in the area that would be the place yeah yeah, and there's there's no cities for, I mean the nearest city would be like Estes Park, which is like, I think like forty miles away or something, close to, but later on in life I was like a teenager and uh, I had brought some friends to a spot that is about a mile away from the cabin. It's down the it's in a valley. We call it the Singing Springs. And that's because a lot of the places you can sit there, you can actually like hear music. 
it can be different for different people but for me it's really like you sit there and you might hear like just like melodies just like the way the water flows it just creates these melodies and sometimes it actually sounds like instrumental music so it's kind of got that nickname but mm -hmm. um we were out there camping uh down there's like multiple campsites so we were in the farthest one and it's my favorite because there's like a really cool bridge someone built over to it and it's kind of like on an island so we were over there but to get firewood and stuff you have to cross the little bridge and then there's like a good spot to store firewood so i was there one night and i was being the one getting firewood i kind of like to be the fire troll as they call it <laughs> so i would go and i cut like the firewood and then i tend to the fire and then i make sure that the fire's out that's kind of like the job title but when i crossed over the bridge i was hearing something like cross over next to me i just was like oh my gosh what is that and then I uh, started picking up sticks and I literally was hearing panting, like a dog panting directly next to me. And I kept being like, what the? And like looking around and like grabbing my bundle of sticks and then like quickly running back over the bridge and like putting it on the fire. And then I'm sitting there and right behind me, I hear the panting again. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, do you guys hear that? And they'd be like, no, I don't, I don't hear anything. So this was happening to me the, the, the whole night, that this dog panting and feeling like something was following me, but me not seeing it. You know, probably like four hours of this, of um, just kind of like intermittent. The next day, we're hiking around, and uh, two of the friends I was with pointed up the mountain and were like, whoa, did you see that dog? Like, did you see that dog up there? They, I guess, saw a black dog pass right across the little clearing and just, like, disappear into the trees. So they saw it, and the night before, I was there was something that was a dog next to me, and uh, I thought that was also a little bit strange uh, yeah. because you guys also mentioned black dog stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we get a lot of black dog stuff, and the panting is actually uh something i heard one night uh something unseen like approaching uh me and my friend it's on one of the very early episodes i forget i forget which episode number it was but uh, i actually caught it on tape you could hear this whatever it was breathing or panting coming closer to us and we couldn't see a thing yeah it was uh yeah it was a really weird thing and it, it's also kind of strange because I've always had a dog in my life. But that was like one little intermittent part of my life where I didn't have a dog. Huh. So the, the black dog thing, I, I guess like I didn't see the black dog. I just heard the panting and the it crossed. Like I, at one point I heard something cross in the stream. Like I'm not really very like jumpy as far as like wild animals. Uh you know, honestly, I like I'm kind of going through a life transition right now, but like from age 17 to 25, I spent like six years just straight hit hitchhiking oh, wow. and just traveling around. So like I, I did a lot of camping by myself and a lot of just being, you know, I was stalked by a mountain lion for a number of days and 
Like none of those things really affect me the way that some of these paranormal things or some of these things have affected me. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's just a different thing. It's more of like a, I, I don't know. It just kind of lingers a little bit more than that. I guess uh, another kind of, you know, story, I guess, that I could talk about is it's not really about seeing things or seeing, you know, like beings or whatever. It's kind of more about this concept that has been mentioned a few times, uh, synchronicity. Mm-hmm. So this is something that I, I never was exposed to. Never, No one ever talked to me about this, you know. I kind of almost like even came up with that term. I don't even know where that term came from, but I kind of came up with it on my own at some point. Um, but it was the way that I would explain my travels and like hitchhiking. Cause you know, when I talk to people, especially if I was hitchhiking or if I was like in that state of travel, people would be like, Oh, what are you doing? You know, there's like these normal questions that they ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly feel like I was very much like guided a lot of times and I was guided through what I, my own personal synchronicities. Um, but things that would really like almost keep me safe, I guess, like there was a couple close calls even that if I wasn't paying attention, I could have ended up getting killed or something like there, there were some moments where. If I didn't take a left turn instead of a right turn, I would have just gone straight into a really bad situation. So I had mentioned this this reoccurring thing for me. Uh, it's uh, the it's actually a number. It's three thirty three. I don't know what it is about that number exactly. It started becoming a thing, you know, later teenage years, mm-hmm. um, where I would really recognize it in the world around me you know i wake up it like i go through periods of time where i wake up at like 3 30 or 3 33 like right. almost every night mm-hmm. um and i'm not really sure what that is but there would be this you know thing you know let's say i'm hitchhiking a car pulls over to pick me up I'm walking up to the tail to the to the car and their license plate says 333. I'm like, "Okay. I just accept that ride. I just get in." <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I'm like, "Okay, cool. I'll just you know, go with that." Um and then sometimes, you know, like cuz you'll be waiting somewhere for like a week. And you're so anxious to get the frick out of where you are. It's uncomfortable. And it's, you know, like you could maybe lose your head a little bit because you just want to go somewhere. Somebody could pull you over and be a complete freak or be very, you know, like you get a bad vibe. Um, And just like accepting that and being like, no, sorry, we're not going to the right spot or something. Mm -hmm. But like, there were a couple songs that would show up on the radio even, or just like these things that would almost speak to me as like, kind of like a guiding force, I guess, like an external guiding force. Yeah, this, this happened for like years, honestly. 
Okay, I guess I'll just like kind of give a little bit yeah, of an give, example. Yeah, give a couple examples. Okay, so I came back to Colorado for maybe like two months. Um, I stayed at my dad's house, which is kind of a weird spot for me, of course. You know, it's kind of uncomfortable. But I started doing the thing where I wake up at 3.33 in the morning. And this isn't always. This just happens like maybe every couple years. So I then decided to leave because I was getting kind of uncomfortable at my dad's house. And also it was starting to be winter and I like to migrate before winter hits. It's kind of, so I basically get a ride to Denver and then I catch a ride with these guys that were like truck drivers that were just going on a road trip together down to Tucson and uh, they were cool and all. I'm traveling with them. They're, they're like, we're fine. And I fell asleep in the car and, uh, I woke up at some point and we're like in Arizona. So from Denver to Arizona. And then right when I wake up and I look out the window, the next like, um, off ramp is three thirty-three. <laughs> so I'm like, Hey guys, can you pull over? That's my spot. <laughs> like, stop here. And they're like, are you, are you sure? Like, it's kind of like 12 o'clock at night. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I got to go. So they pull over and they just let me off. And at this point, like, I actually don't know where I am at all. I just know that I'm in Arizona. So they pull over and I get my stuff out of the back and I hike over to this off-ramp sign. And then I throw my backpack behind it and I make a little camp. And, uh, you know, I have a dog with me this whole time. My dog is like, he's been with me on all these adventures, basically. So in the morning, when I wake up, I realize that uh, I'm like really close to Sedona, Arizona. I don't know if you know that place. I, I know of it, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting spot. So I'm like near Sedona, Arizona, and I catch a ride literally the car that i catch a ride with this is the license plate thing its license plate was 333 <laughs> the first car that picks me up so i'm just like okay i get in the car they take me to sedona i get out they drop me off at this like art gallery or something and there's this sculpture of this angel it's kind of a crazy sculpture like she's got like transmutation staff like with the snakes and it's like it's a pretty trippy sculpture if you ever go there it's pretty easy to find but it just had a lot of symbology on it that I you know kind of speaks to me honestly that I I either draw or things that I just appreciate like a comforting thing mm -hmm. you know and it just it's it's kind of a hard thing to explain, you know? Like, I'm really struggling to explain it. But it just kind of is this reoccurring thing that, to me, just identifies that I'm kind of, like, on the right path. Right, And right. I'm not really sure what that is. No, no. You know? I, like, I, I get it. It's like these synchronicity storms, you know, usually either something really cool or something really bad is going to happen when they happen. And, you know, I will say that, you know, putting yourself where you're, where you're constantly traveling like that, where you're hitchhiking around, I mean, that's intentionally liminal space. You know, so you're, you're, you've intentionally put yourself in this kind of 
consistently liminal zone, which is, you know, at least uh, in my opinion, that, that kind of opens you up to even more of that. Yeah, definitely. And there's a big difference from when I'm in motion like that and when I'm stationary. I find that when I'm in motion like that, for me, it's way more of this symbolic uh, experiences, synchronistic experiences, like different kind of cool or bizarre human connections, you know, and there's like almost like it seems like there's like a web or a design to it to, mm-hmm. to some degree. But when I'm stationary, it's almost like something catches up to me. That's when I have like weird experiences that are like on a different level. Like I was saying like previously before when I had decided to leave my dad's house in the first place, I started having like weird experiences in that house again. So it's not that I'm like trying to run away. (laughs) That's not really the intention, but it does kind of feel like when when I stop moving, it kind of changes. Uh, and it kind of turns into it just turns into something else and I can't really identify what that is or why that is you know on all the years that I spent like traveling and hitchhiking I did have some kind of weird experiences for sure I had mentioned a hot springs um, th- these hot springs in Idaho that I was at yeah um, I wanted to get into I that. don't know if you want me to yeah yeah I, I was actually yeah. just looking at your list and I was that was gonna be my next question Okay, yeah, because that was that was when I was hitchhiking. So you know, I I actually went to the Rainbow Gathering of like 2012 mm-hmm. um, up there in Montana. It was honestly cool but bizarre. You know, it wasn't. I went to one in Pennsylvania way like way long ago, and that was awesome. But the the you know mo- okay Montana that was great. But um, really the point was that I had. Um, gone up there for this rainbow gathering but afterwards i ended up at these hot springs and there's one called bob weir hot springs and another called jerry johnson hot springs i kind of am confused about which the name was on the one i was at Mm -hmm. but basically you you don't cross a bridge you just hike up into you know the the country there which is honestly beautiful that area idaho awesome so I found myself at these hot springs, which is kind of like a, an intermission spot for a lot of people. So although I was there camping by myself, there was a lot of people there and leaving, and I made lots of good connections and stuff. And I was there for, I would say, two weeks. So I had a little camp down below the hot spring, down the walkway at least. Um, so I was pretty familiar with this area. One night, no one else was there. I had gone up to the hot spring like I usually do at night. And so the scene is that there's these, basically the spring is coming out of like up high on this cliff. And people have made this very nice pool. It's kind of people have crafted it a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's big enough for probably like six people to sit in comfortably. But it's like up on a hill. And then the water cascades down the hill and there's a river down below it. Or I would call it more of like a nice stream, not quite river. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was there at these hot springs uh, soaking and my dog was 
cutely nestled over in the bushes near it. And uh, it was starting, the sun was starting to get down. And I was actually to the point where I was like, okay, you know, I've had my fill. I'm going to get up and, you know, get going. And just all of a sudden, just bam, right down by the river. I thought it was like a flash of a camera. Honestly, the first one, I was like, what the? Because there was this uh, really bright light just flashed down there. And I had kind of like, you know, did the thing where I like pretend that my eyes are somehow like a telescope to like as if I could see closer Mm -hmm. um, to see if there was like a person. There's no people. And then when I was looking down there, another one happened. So it was like these orbs. So they would build up in size like gradually, like you, you know, each one took probably about a second to do what it was doing. So it would start as a pinpoint and it would build up in size and get probably the size of a, maybe a soccer ball, um, actual light really bright, like, Mm -hmm. and then be gone. So these things were happening down by the river, like probably one every two minutes, close to. So I was just staying watching this show. I was like, I had no clue. I kind of expected like that it was like ball of lightning is kind of what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. But then they started happening in the trees, like directly on the branches and like higher up, not at the river anymore. So they gradually started like, you know, going higher and higher up. And then at one point they were like eye level with me because I'm probably like 40 feet higher than the river is. So these things are happening eye level. At this point, it's like really late. It's probably like two in the morning. And I was actually like really overdue getting out of the water. You know, I was like, okay, I'm super pruny. I have got to get out of the water. (laughs) And I stood up to get out of the water and instantly I just got this. It was like almost just like, I felt like if I would have stepped out of that hot spring that I would have been hit hit by lightning or something. All of the hairs on, on my neck stood up. I got super uncomfortable. Honestly, I felt very uncomfortable and I just sank right back down into the water. And at this point, too, like, my dog had not even come over to me. Usually he's like, oh, way too long, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was staying put. He wouldn't move. Uh-huh. And I even kind of called him to make sure he was okay. And he just kind of cried. He just made a little cry noise and stayed right where he was, kind of nestled under this bush. So when I was in the water i didn't feel anything negative and it's not like the feeling i had before was necessarily malevolent or negative it was just like electrical like i was in the middle of like an electrical storm or something um so i watched these spheres all night literally and uh they the whole time they kept happening you know they would happen higher and higher in the trees And then right when there's like a little break of daylight coming over, they were actually like in the sky, but they're, they weren't as often. They weren't like every two minutes. It was like maybe once every five minutes. But as the sun came up, that's when they started making noise. 
So this whole time they were completely silent. But as the sun actually started coming up, it would be like cracks, like electrical cracks. And then when the sun actually came up, within a like seconds, this heavy, dark thunderstorm formed. I literally watched this thing and just started like downpouring raining. Just like right as the sun came up, it just turned into a real storm. So at that point, I was like, okay, I'm definitely getting out of this water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I had just like stayed up and seen this evolution. And it was kind of this weird feeling like these things had somehow called in the water. Um, because at that point, that area was really, really dry. And it was like, you know, I would call it definitely high fire danger or something. Right. Um, and this storm just just drenched everything it was like really needed for that area so i had kind of contributed that to like just the land asking for the water you know so i went back to camp and then i fell asleep for that day (laughs) and the next day even or day that this happened it was that same day uh when i woke up there was a a couple that had shown up hot spring i was kind of on the path uh playing my flute and uh these people walked up and they're like hey um were you here in this area last night and i was like yeah i I stayed here all night (laughs) and they're like yeah well we were camped like literally right down the way and we saw some crazy lights over here (laughs) in the sky above above this area like did you see anything so that was interesting that these people actually like directly asked me about seeing something weird. Now, is this related to the, you said you, there were three hermaphrodites that with different color eyes or is that, is that a separate story? So no, these, so these three people could be real people. Like I don't want to offend anyone out there if they're listening and they're one of these people and they're like, oh yeah, I remember you. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I get it. Uh, it's very possible, but regardless, it's kind of a bizarrity because, um, this is the next day. This is the next day that these people showed up. So they showed up on bicycles and, uh, yeah, I was up at the hot spring. Uh, I was taking a morning bath and, uh, just kind of getting my day going and, uh, these people showed up. But yeah, they were three people that were perfect hermaphrodites. So they were both gendered. You couldn't tell. They weren't like dominantly ending gender. And each one of them had a blue eye and a brown eye. Same eye on each one of them? No, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think one of them had like a blue speck in one of their brown eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is the weird thing, though, is because like... At the time, I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool, guys. Like, you guys are so cool. I'm glad you met. You're great friends. Like, whatever. I didn't really think much of it. Mm-hmm. And they actually ended up camping with me. So we had, like, a little camp. So we hung out for, like, probably three days, I would say. We'd cook and have lunch and dinner together. We had, like, rice and beans and, like, super simple. They had their bicycles, you know. But right at this time i can't remember their names and i also can't really remember what distinguished them from each other 
So, like, in my mind, I really try to, like, I'm pretty good with faces. You know, honestly, like, I don't remember names, but I do remember faces. But, like, when I imagine them and try to, like, imagine their individual faces, I just can't. I just see the same person, really. That's um, interesting. Were Did they seem like they were, like, triplets or twins or, or siblings even? Or were you know, were different people just happened to have the same kind of look. Yeah, they all had very similar features. Pale blonde hair. I mm-hmm. wouldn't call it dirty blonde. I would call it pretty light blonde. Very fair skin. Same height. Same, like, being a hermaphrodite truly as a human being is also incredibly rare. Yes, yeah, it is. You know, it's, it's like, I don't even know the statistics, but it is rare. All three of them were from birth hermaphroditic. Uh, oh, so this isn't this how isn't... they were born. Okay, and then so... all three of them. Wow. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah. not a visual judgment. These people you, were you born made. that way. Yeah, you, you, this is they literally were hermaphrodites. No, it. No. Wow. They were hermaphrodites. I mean, I don't want to get too personal, but sure. like, yeah, we were in hot springs together, and uh, it's like clothing. So. Like that, yeah. They were definitely hermaphrodites, and we talked about it. They even brought it up how strange it was that they met. Like it wasn't like a, oh, I think these people look kind of like that. It right. was like they they were. <laughs> wow. You know, like from birth, and uh, and they had all met recently, and they were riding bikes. Like what? Like to get to where this hot spring is is like. From one direction, a hundred miles. From the other direction, like eighty miles. Yeah, that's so. That <laughs> like, definitely... it's not like just down the street. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely an interesting experience, and it came on the heels of right on the heels of seeing yeah. the, the lights. Yeah, it was the day later that they showed up. That's very interesting. Yeah, and, and, yeah. The I, I mean, I feel the same then, as you. Um, I, I, I don't want to offend yeah. anybody by saying that, you know, there there's something, you know, weird or something other. I mean, you know, but it is it's definitely a, a strange occurrence, especially on the heels of, of seeing those lights. Yeah. So just like, okay, for whatever that's worth. Um, also, I mean, I even kind of looked into the rarity of somebody having a blue eye and a brown eye. And that itself is so, like, honestly, the, the likelihood of these people is, <laughs> like, the impossibility, actually, more so, is more possible than the possibility of them. Right, yeah, there comes a point where you're just like, um, the, the, something weird is going on here, whether it's naturally weird or, you know, having to do with the other, something weird is going on here. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a point to recognize, though, and it, it was a point in my life that was really a strange one for me. I had... I was going through a strange phase at that point. I really was. Um, I had been through some crazy recent kind of partially traumatic experiences, and I was just kind of trying to, like, find a place to, like, rest. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes when you're traveling in that way, like, I put myself in it. I chose to do it. I wasn't doing it because I'm, like, homeless, you know. That's not my intention. I literally am doing it because... You know, I kind of love adventure. It's part of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I'm at an, I was at an age and am at an age where it's just, I mean, why not, I guess? Like, I'm not going to college. I learned so much. Like, those years, I learned so much about myself and just the way I feel about the world. But it, all of it was definitely intentional. 
but there was some highs and some lows for sure. <laughs> I can imagine. I can you know, imagine. there, there, it was, it was dramatic for me. And, uh, you know, so it's just an interesting kind of a point for me. And then also I was there for kind of a long time, I think. And it was really cool that I got to spend that much time with them, but it's still weird that I can't identify or separate and right. maybe it's just because of the fact that they were like hermaphroditic. You can't really get a gender. You know, there's these things that we kind of like naturally classify people in our memory, mm -hmm. like ways to remember people, you know, ways to, and uh, they broke all of those rules. <laughs> right, right. And the way they left too was really kind of a little interesting. Uh, I wouldn't say it wasn't like, it wasn't like they got in a spaceship and flew away, but they did just leave at night. Like, like I woke up one morning and they were gone. Hmm. So we had had like, we had a meal together and then we're all hanging out, kind of shooting the shit, went up to the hot spring, came back down. We're getting ready to go to bed. And then what I know, I feel so bad. I can't remember their names because I would, I really would like to. One of them came over and was like, it was really nice to meet you, Jenna. And like smiled and then went back to bed. And I kind of thought that was a little weird and out of place almost. You know, I was like, what do you mean? Right. <laughs> like we're just going to bed. And then the next morning I woke up and they were gone. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just kind of like, I was like, okay. They just got up and continued their bike trip. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Well, Jenna, I want to thank you for sharing your stories with us tonight. Yeah, yes. And for whatever it's worth, you know, um, I have more material if you ever want to hear it. Yeah, I definitely want to start doing uh, follow-ups with other guests. In fact, that listeners often ask for it. I really appreciate your time. Sure, sure. Thank you. Well, you have a good night. Thank you. This is the last show of 2020. It better be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna. I'm not doing another. Quickly one. do another one and edit it. Both of them in time for uh, the new year. No, no. This is it. This is the last show of 2020. This is it. Oh well, thank God for 2020. What a great year it's been. <laughs> the next new episode of Strange Familiars will be in the new year. Yeah. It's a shame because like the 2020 thing, it's like graphically, it's so nice to have a nice. It is, it's going to be hard to make glasses out of 2021. It is. Conveniently, no one will need to wear them, so. <laughs> That's true. I want to thank Stephen B. for his PayPal donation. Thank you so much. That's a huge help. Thank you so much. Nice way to end the year. That's a PH Stephen and not a V Stephen. There's it a is. difference. If you'd like to help us with a PayPal donation, you can find a PayPal.me link in the show notes under any episode. And click on that and make a one-time donation. There's also subscriptions, though, like Patreon. Maybe we'll start the YouTube channel subscription sometime soon. That's one of my goals. But for now, there's Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All of our patrons get full extra episodes of Strange Familiars. We released one last week. We're well into the 60s now, 60-some extra episodes. As soon as you sign up, you get all 60-some of those. I don't remember the exact number. 60-plus of those and then we add more every month always at least one sometimes we do more than one you can check that out 
patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And I want to thank all of our patrons, every single one of you. Thank you so much. We could not do the show without you. You guys make Strange Familiars happen. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, by liking and subscribing wherever you're listening. If it's on a podcatcher, like and subscribe there. If it's on YouTube, like and subscribe there. And leave us those nice five-star reviews because those reviews help get the podcast in front of new potential listeners. So our photo of the week is a real photo postcard from the 1900s. I don't know, sometime before 1920, we're thinking. Yeah, probably the teens, I think. And it's two women. And the one on the right seems to be wearing a Guy Fawkes mask. Yeah, it has like an accidental V kind of look to her. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional. Uh, I, I doubt it because it I came from the I think they US. were just a lot of times, you know, like girlfriends or, or groups of young kids would, would go to get their photos taken and then like switch hats or... Um, dress up in each other's clothes just for right, right, like a humorous photo that they take. But I mean, that mask she's wearing—it it does. It looks <laughs> like Guy Fawkes I, I, with the hat she, and the long coat. She really could be V for Vendetta. And her friend is wearing uh, male clothing, and then she still has her uh, lace-up boots, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. And she's got a nice twirl to her mustache. There, I'm assuming it's not hers. Then I'm thinking about how gross it would be to have, like, a studio prop mustache that people reused. In the time of COVID. I know, it just seems like it didn't weather real well. So I picked this up just because I like the, as you called it, the accidental V. Really does look like uh, it's trying to be V for Vendetta. You know what? It's a time traveler. There we go. From an anonymous. If we want to sell this on Etsy, it either has to be haunted, time traveler. Mm Mm-hmm. It's definitely curated. <laughs> uh, it's a neat photo. Check it out. I'll have a image of this in the show notes. You can click on that. It should take you right to our Etsy shop where you can buy this and other photos of the week and other photos in general as Allison has started adding more photos there. There's a photo of the week section and then there's like an antique photography section, I think. And Allison has started adding several to that. So check out the collection there. Also on Etsy, artwork by me. My books are there. It's the only place other than Riverbend Comics that you can get Apparitions, my art book. Pre-order for Where the Footprints End, Volume 2. Check it out. Etsy's shop name is Lost Grave, but if you look up Strange Familiars, our stuff should pop up. While you're on Etsy, don't forget to check out our friend's Karmic Garden. It's Etsy shop name, Karmic Garden, one word. They have soaps, scented sanitizers, natural cleaners, candles, beard balm, and more, including the bespoke Strange Familiar scent, which I'm told is quite the hit. (laughs) They have a Flannel Man fragrance they made as well. So check them out. And I believe that's all we have for tonight. That's all we have for 2020. Oh, look at you. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back in 2021 with another episode of Strange Familiars. See you on the other side. Which is really just next week. Yeah, it's just an arbitrary... (laughs) I don't want anybody to think we're, like, taking a break or something. No, you never take a break. There's always an episode. Even in the weeks that you take off, you're like, well, I should at least make a new patron episode. (laughs) 
Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts LLC. Music, books, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We're on Facebook. <laughs> I always, always think, I always want to say the radio. <laughs> I can't get through my head. That... This is a podcast. <laughs> it comes through the computer box. <laughs> to me, it's still the radio. <laughs> We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strange familiars, where you can join the strange familiars gathering group. And we are on Instagram at strange familiars.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. 
And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.